Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's up, you amazing, fine-ass ladies? How y'all doing? Who greeted you like that today? Nobody? Just me? Love it. Today, we're going to talk about some really tactical nutrition stuff. Some, I'm going to hit on some of the questions I've been getting a lot on social media, within the program, outside our program, and all in between. And I think it's really going to help you all make this fat loss thing a lot easier, which is ultimately my biggest goal. We're going to go over the four pillars of fat loss, kind of a review real quick, broad strokes there. I'm going to talk about macros. Who gives a fuck? That's what I titled that section. And then why you should simplify the fuck out of things by just focusing on total calories and protein. I'm going to show you how easy it is to hit 100 grams of protein a day. The importance of weighing your food versus eyeballing it. It's not going to be boring. I'm going to give you the tools there. How to weigh your food, because a lot of you don't know, and that's okay. We were never taught, right? And what weighing food for a short period of time does for your entire life. So let's dive in. Four pillars. By the way, all of you love this podcast, give me a, a five-star review. I never say that because I just, you know, I want people to review if they feel like it. But if you do love it, give me a five-star review. and. It'll help it get seen more by people that may need this kind of guidance, right? This, uh, this, this masculine presence in their life that they may lack elsewhere, explaining this stuff in an way, integrated way, right? So four pillars. What are the four pillars? When we talk about fat loss, you're going to have to have four things that are consistent in your life to some extent. Don't have to be perfect. They just need to be consistent over time. Those four pillars are your protein intake needs to be at a sufficient level, a level that will help you stay satiated, a level that will help you burn fat, a level that will help you build muscle and do all the wonderful things that protein does in your body. Pillar number two, walk a lot. If you're not tracking your steps, do so. It's the easiest of the four steps because you don't have to do anything. You just download an app, let it rip. Number three, average a caloric number over time. So have a calorie goal and average that, meaning Some days you may be higher, some days you may be lower, but you have a target and you average around that number over the span of time. So if your calorie goal is say 1800, for instance, you average that, right? right? Like some days you may eat eat 2000, some days you may eat 1300, whatever. But at the end of the week, you averaged 1800, you're going to lose weight. And I'll tell you how to calculate that in a sec. And the last one is get stronger, lift weights, whatever mode you want to do that in. If you want to start with Pilates, awesome. Yep, I said it. If you want to start with yoga, great. Eventually, you need to lift weights. It needs to be a part of your routine. Hear me. I'm not saying that means you have to give up your precious Pilates in order to lift weights. I'm saying do it in addition to. Do both. Whatever. I'm I'm a big proponent of doing things you love while also doing the things that work. And hopefully, you can combine those two factors. That's the four pillars, okay? So, broad strokes, but still deep diving in a little bit more. Why is protein so fucking important? Well, protein is important because without protein, you can't build muscle. It's the one necess- like the one mandatory ingredient for muscle building. And whether you know it or not, the body that you crave, the body that you envy, the body that you compare yourself to, stop comparing by the way, but the, the fitness leaner, even if it's just somebody on TV that you think has an ideal body type, whatever, they eat protein because muscle tissue is the shape of your body. Without muscle, you have no shape. You have no curves. You have no tone. You have no definition anywhere. Protein is the gateway to building that muscle tissue. If you go work out and and train your ass off, but you're not eating enough protein, good luck benefiting from that hard work that you just did. How much protein? 
I recommend for starters, take your goal weight, whatever that is, and that can be subjective for everybody, right? I realize that. So I'm going to give you two methods. Number one method, take your goal weight, multiply it by 0.7. That's your goal weight in pounds. For those of you who are in Europe or elsewhere, use the metric system. Goal weight in pounds, multiply it by 0.7. There's your protein goal to shoot for. For most of you, that's going to be around between 80 and 120 grams-ish, which if you eat that much, you're killing it, okay? You don't have to be perfect with this. It's an average as well, right? So like, what do we mean by average? If your protein goal is, for instance, 90 grams, well, some days you may eat 50, some days you may crush it, eat 140. Great. If it averages out to be 80, you're, you're killing it. Awesome. Beautiful. Did I say 80 or 90? I can't remember, but you get the point. Average that over time. When I say average, it takes the pressure off having to hit that number every single day because you are, your body is a culmination of your activities and behaviors over time. It's not what you do any one day. So when I say that, what I'm also telling you is when you hit that protein goal for the first time and you go look at yourself in the mirror and you're not transformed, well, sis, it's going to take, a, it's going to take some time averaging that. That's why I say average it over time, the span of six, eight months to a year. If you increase your protein intake for a year, you will look drastically different because here's the other thing protein does. It satiates you. It keeps you full. It's filling, right? It's nutrient dense. It makes you not overeat because you are full, right? Almost all processed foods are low in protein. They're not satiating. We're not, I'm not bashing processed foods necessarily, but making the point that protein satiating processed foods are not. If you eat more protein, you will eat less calories overall. And the obesity epidemic is due to a chronic overeating epidemic because no one is aware of their caloric intake or their protein intake. We are chronically under-consuming protein as a populace. Protein is the literal, like, number one thing with nutrition that if you do right now, you will get results. Now, a question I get a lot. Which protein shake should I... Ladies, protein shakes are just fucking powder. They're just protein powder. You get protein from food, right? So, like, using it from a shake is just using the waste product from milk and cheese production, which is whey protein, right? That's all it is. It's not fairy dust. It's not special. It's not better. It's just additional protein. Focus on getting it from food. Now, let's talk about the other method besides, you know, goal weight times 0.7 is just aim for 100 grams or more. Because if you do that, you are absolutely crushing it. And for most women in our niche, which is women 30 plus, 100 grams is sufficient for you for weight loss and muscle tissue building and recovery, et cetera, right? Not to mention all the great things protein does for your liver. But if you aim for 100 grams, you're, you're crushing it. How can you do that? Well, there, there are literally... These, uh, I hate when I say the word literally. It's like, well, well, no shit, literally. Anyway, there are, there are oikos yogurts. Who knows about oikos yogurt? Triple zero. One of the biggest issues people have within their protein is also like not going over their fat goal. Well, I'll get to why that doesn't matter in a sec. But oikos has a triple zero brand that's like all protein, hardly any carbs and no fat, right? So that's a great protein hack. And it's like 15 grams of protein. They also, I eat this kind called ratio. It's 25 grams of protein. I literally have one sitting next to me right now. It's blueberry. It tastes great. So what I do is before I even eat anything, or before I even like get my day started, I ensure that I've hit my protein goal because I need 200 plus grams a day, right? I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. B-O-I, big boy. I'm, I'm a big boy, so I need 200 grams. But the way that I ensure that I'm a quarter of the way there before I even start my day is I do a scoop of chocolate whey isolate protein in my coffee. Taste amazing. Get a mixture because sometimes that protein doesn't mix well in coffee. So get a mixture. I, I have like a little, like an electronic whisker thing that I use. Is it whisk? Yeah, whisk, whisking tool, wicking tool. I don't fucking know. Anyway, it's a, it's a mixer. 
the kind that you would like mix cake with. I literally have that. I stick that big ass thing in my coffee mug because my coffee mug's 32 ounces. Because again, I'm a big boy, right? Anyway, I do a scoop of that, right? And then, excuse me, within 30 minutes, I have a ratio protein yogurt. I've got 50 grams of protein before I even start my day. Now, imagine if you did that. You, who needs only 100 or so. You're halfway there before you've done shit. <laughs> okay? So there's a great way to jumpstart it. You eat another couple of those yogurts and you're, you're almost there. That's not even adding in all the stuff you get from food. So when I hear someone say, oh my God, it's so hard to get my protein goal. You're probably just trying to get it from meat. There are so many other protein sources besides meat. You've got Greek yogurt. You've got cottage cheese, eggs, bone broth, legumes, lentils, quinoa, tofu, edamame, fish. Salmon, whitefish, cod, tilapia, shrimp. You've got so many other sources besides steak. And yet that's what everyone thinks. So if you, first of all, do what I just said with those yogurts and then diversify your protein sources, you're there easily. You'll over, you'll overshoot that number. And I want to address that too. There is no unhealthy effect of eating too, like quote unquote, too much protein, right? Like, remember, your goal is just your goal. No, it doesn't mean that if you go over that, you're going to have detrimental health effects. Anyone who tells you that is full of shit. There's no detrimental health effects from eating protein. In fact, there's not a single solitary study that shows there to be an upper limit on protein consumption. We don't even know how much get, like we, we've tried to eat in excess of, of 500, 600, 700 grams, which is a shit ton of protein. Now, will that affect your digestion? Yeah, you better eat some fiber. It's going to be like a Pringle can coming out of you, right? But we, there's no upper limit to be found. So kick ass with protein. Don't worry about, like, try to get too much. Just riddle, like, just humor me. Try to eat too much protein. You can't. The only exception would be somebody with existing chronic bad kidney issues. Somebody who has already, like, has some kind of kidney disease. That's the only exception. And in that case, you need to consult with a physician, et cetera. But you still need to get your protein, right? You just probably need to be a little bit more, a little careful with it because of the kidney, right? That's it. Healthy individuals doesn't make a fuck, okay? So that's protein. Walking. 15% or more of your non-exercise activity comes from your activity level outside of exercise. Non-exercise activity. Why is it 15%? Why such a big chunk? Okay, well, look at your day. How much of that day do you spend exercising? A lot of you, it's zero. But let's say you do exercise regularly, okay? Okay, let's say you exercise regularly. Most people don't exercise every day. Even I don't exercise every day. I exercise three times a week with weightlifting, right? That's three hours a week because I only spend an hour in the gym. But let's, let's give you some leeway. Let's say you work out five times a week. That's five hours, maybe 10 hours max of your week. There are 24 hours in a day. 24 hours in a day. Even if you spend a lofty two hours in the gym, that's only 10 hours a week if you go five times, right? You know how many hours in a week? 168. So you're telling me 20 hours of 168 hours is going to make a huge difference in your overall, like the culmination of what is your body? No. So how active are you in those other 140 something hours? 130 something hours, right? And obviously you're sleeping a good portion of that. So you have sleep, you have working out, and the rest is that 15%. How active are you in that 
time frame. Most of you are not active. Most people are not active. A lot of you are. I'm not saying, listen, when I say most, look, 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 my content and my, what I say doesn't apply to 100% of people. So don't be, I just get offended, y'all. Don't, don't, don't let me control your feelings. You're in control, right? I'm going to talk about that on another episode. Anyway, how active are you in the other, in the, in the other portions of your day? Like the, the majority of your time. And if you think about step count, it's like, what's the quickest way to increase that? Well, we just go on a couple walks every day. It's so simple, y'all. You don't have to be a marathon runner or a, a chronic walker, like a power walker that walks six hours a day. No, 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 you do not. Again, it comes down to your average. So the easiest way to increase this category is going to be download a step tracking app and increase those steps over time. Just get a weekly total. If you, if you zoom out and look at it from a weekly standpoint, it's easier than putting, your pressure, putting pressure on yourself to have to walk every single day because you're not going to be able to walk every single day. Why? A lot of you are super busy. A lot of you are parents. A lot of you can't walk every day. Maybe you're co-parenting like me. And when, when your child's here, it's really hard to go on a brisk walk, right? Because even if I do take him on the walk, he wants to stop and play with the flowers and jump, you know, play in the lake. And, and I'm going to do that with him because I love to do those things too. And I want to have present quality time with my son. So I'm not thinking about getting my steps in then, right? I'm getting them in by default just by being outside, et cetera. But you get my point. So my point is, on days when you can't walk, you can't walk. That's okay. On other days, double, triple up. If you got a Saturday where you ain't got nothing planned and you haven't really walked all week, walk your motherfucking ass off on that Saturday. So here's how this pans out. If you walked 2,000 steps on average on the other days of the week, on that Saturday, you walked 20,000. You just brought your weekly average up to 10,000 or 8,000. It's your average, y'all. It's your average. You can absolutely bring up your average on other days of the week when you are able to walk. Just don't be the one that makes excuses on those days. Get out and do it. Are you looking for solutions or are you looking for excuses? Let's, let's look for solutions. I want this to happen for you all. All right, so we got protein. We got walking. Caloric goal. So I recommend to, cal to calculate your calorie goal. Goal weight times 12. Goal weight in pounds times 12. And will this be perfect for 100% of people? No. Will it give... 90% of people who listen to this, which is women 30 plus, a, a goal to shoot for and to absolutely lose weight, shooting for that goal, 100 fucking percent. Why? Because the majority of you do not track calories or you don't do it consistently. And again, your body results are a depiction of what you do on average over time, right? Like a culmination of your behavior. So if you're not consistent with tracking calories, you're not going to be consistently getting results. And again, I do want to make a disclaimer here. You're not going to track calories for the rest of your lives, ladies. Okay, You need to track calories consistently enough to gain the skill. And let me just paint you an analogy to, to like illustrate how this works. If you're trying to learn algebra and you only go to class half the time, are you going to learn algebra? No. But if you want to learn algebra and you go to class every day, are you going to have to take algebra for the rest of your life? No. Right. So like the idea here is if you if you want to learn algebra, but you only go to class half the time, you're going to probably have to go to that class for the rest of your life until you learn it. So the same thing applies here with with calorie tracking. And guess what? It's not near as difficult as algebra. <laughs> Your boy took remedial algebra in college and I made a C in that math ain't my strong suit and I can still track calories like a motherfucker. So even if you're dumb in math like me, you can still track calories because guess what? An app does it for you. An app does it for you. When my mom was coming up, a lot of you know this, she had to write everything down in a book, look it up. She had to look up the food item in a book, write it down on a piece of paper as she went throughout her day, do math, long division and shit, 
calculate how much calorie, how many calories, because it like wasn't a set amount. She had to like look in the book and it's like it had eight ounces, 10 ounces, 12 ounces. That's how much, how many calories are in a sweet potato or in a yam, right? And then she had to write down how many, how many, much of the, she had to weigh it on one of those old timey scales, had like chains and shit on it. And then, and then write out the, 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 the amount of calories it had based on her math. Hope she didn't make a miscalculation along the way and, and keep this all in a huge notebook, a spiral notebook. Now you have an app that does that for you. And not only that, it takes less than five minutes to do this shit. You tell me you don't have less than five minutes. What? You sure got time for Bridgerton and sex life and real housewives and 90 day fiance. You got time for that. You don't have time to do something that's going to impact your health and your life. I'm not trying to shame you, y'all. I'm just giving you perspective. Okay. We all, we are, none of us are perfect and that's okay. The goal isn't perfection. And if you do what I'm telling you to do, you never have to be perfect. That's the point. If you just do this half ass, <laughs> you will get results. That's the whole point. Y'all don't understand. You don't have to be all in. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be good enough consistently. Right. So back to calorie tracking and I'm, I'm going to go more in depth in calorie tracking, how to do that. Right. This is, this is more of a tough love episode. <laughs> if you haven't picked up on that yet, sometimes you need it. I'm just giving you a little kick in the booty because I love y'all. I want you to get results. Okay. I want you to get results. And the ladies in our program will tell you that, yes, he is tough on us, but yes, we get the most amazing results because of it. And he also gives a lot of compassion in what he says. So I'm here for you. I don't. I don't. I want. I want to say that because I always judge myself for coming off too harsh. Um, but I'm. It's. It's. I'm passionate. I'm passionate about you getting results, and I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do, and that's part of this. Okay. Now, going back to the calorie goal, goal weight in pounds times twelve. Okay. That, again, that's just. A, that's just a, to get you going. And the reason why I say to get you going, and the reason why I'm so adamant about it is because. You'll, if so many of you spend so much time in analysis paralysis. You're like, what formula is best for calculating calories? Well, what if this isn't accurate? Sis, you don't know if it's accurate until you do it. I don't care which one you do, you do, honestly. I don't care if you go online and calculate your calories. I don't care if you use my fitness pal. I don't care if you use what I'm telling you. My way is probably the simplest way. That's why I, I advocate it, right? You need to do something and stick with it because if you don't do anything because you stay confused and you stay in analysis paralysis and you're like, stressed out about it, you won't make any progress. If you do something, even if it's not correct, you're going to gain data and say, oh, that wasn't correct. Now I'll do something different. I know that doesn't work. It's, and you make progress. You make baby steps towards progress instead of staying in analysis paralysis lane. Less think, more do, okay? So calculate your calorie goal. Let's just say it comes out to 1,800-ish, right? Most of y'all are going to fall between 1,600 and 2,200, right? That range. And just average that. And the key here is to try and eat nutrient-dense foods, you know, the, the majority of the time, like 60, 70% of the time, if you can, that's going to be the foods on the outside of the grocery store aisles, your, your dairy, your fruits and veggies, your meats, your eggs, your, 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 your beans, your rice, your all that good stuff, right? That, that, that's nutrient-dense foods, not processed foods. But you can eat processed foods as a small percentage of your meals. And I highly encourage it to keep you happy because life's about enjoyment. Life's, life is not about transforming your body. That's an aspect of life. Life is about happiness, wholeness, peace, right? So keeping processed foods and yummy foods reminds you that you can absolutely do that and still get results. And if you deprive yourself of those things, you're more likely to binge. You're more likely to want those things in excess. So tracking your calories enables you, empowers you to be able to eat those things and see that it doesn't actually damage your progress. It's not foods. There are no food fattening foods in and of themselves. Everyone thinks, oh, pizza's fattening, hamburgers fattening, cakes fattening. 
No, it is not. The calories overall are the only thing that are fattening over time. Eating more calories than you burn over time is the only thing that's fattening, made more difficult by PCOS, menopause, insulin resistance, Hashimoto's, hypothyroid, et cetera. 100% makes it more difficult, but the same principles apply. Those people simply burn more, burn less calories at rest and, and are having trouble burning visceral fat due to insulin resistance. I will cover that on a different episode. I know a lot of your ears perked up, okay? So if you just average that number, so what do I mean by that? Because I get that question a lot. What do you mean average? If your goal is 1,800 and you eat 300 calories on Monday, <laughs> okay, that's a, little, that's a little low, 800 calories on Monday, then you eat, you know, fucking 900 on Tuesday and you eat 1,000 on Wednesday and then all of a sudden you creep up and you binge over the weekend. Well, most of you are averaging more than that 1,800, assuming your number is 1,800. And that's why you can't lose weight, right? Because you're not tracking and then like, or you only track a couple of days of the week or you starve yourself Monday through Wednesday because you're, you're making up for the binging from the weekend. That's the p- pattern that most of you are in. But if you get a little bit of a grasp on this and you start tracking, and even if you do it half-assed, if you, if you eat 1,600 one day and 2,200 another day and 1,600 another day and 2,300 another day, but you average 1,800 over time, you're going to lose weight even though you ate 2,200 on those other days. That makes sense, y'all? It's like even if you make an F on a test, you can still pass the class. It averages out if you do better on the other exams. That's how losing weight is. Mic drop, period. That's all you have to do. It is not a diet. It is not a fast. It is not a cleanse. It's not a detox. It's not a weight loss shot. What I just told you is how to lose weight for the rest of your life and never have to do any of those things. But it takes being able to intuitively look at the food and know how much you need. So how do we do that? Let's jump into it. The importance of weighing your food versus eyeballing it. Now, when I say weighing your food, I'm sure a lot of you probably just exited out of this podcast. You're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to weigh my food. That sounds time consuming. You know what's time consuming? Stressing about weight loss, stressing about not knowing how much you ate over the weekend and then, and then trying to erase it with over-exercising or under-eating. That's time consuming. That's stressful. You know what's not stressful? Going into Monday relaxed because you know how much you ate over the weekend. You know it didn't sabotage you. A lot, a lot of you think the damage doesn't even come from the binge. The damage comes from what you do to erase the binge. Because a lot of you just assume, because you're not, again, you're not tracking calories. There's no awareness. You just assume that you overate. And you're like, oh my God, I have to erase that. And that's where the damage comes in. Because trying to erase it through purging, fasting, over-exercising, under-eating, all, cutting carbs, that causes more cravings. And then you end up binging again. And you're shaming yourself because of it. Because you labeled what you did on the weekend as bad. And you think that you overate. When in fact, you may not have overate. And you just need to get back on track. Majority of you just need to get back on track. If you blow out a tire on the interstate, you don't get out and slash the other three. You fix that tire you blew out. So just get back on track. You got this, okay? So the importance of weighing your food. Using a food scale tells you exactly how much food you're eating. And you can accurately track that. Why should you weigh your food and not use cups and tablespoons? Because those motherfuckers are inaccurate. (laughs) One time I got, I was at my parents' house and I got, two different cup measurers. One was like a plastic one and one was like a ceramic bowl. And I measured out two things of water and poured them in a cup from each. And they were very different. You can't rely on that shit. You, you can use cups for stuff like liquids if you use the same one over and over and like you, you trust it, right? Stuff that you can easily measure. But like think about a cup of broccoli. Broccoli is low calorie. It's a bad example. Think of something high calorie that you would like measure with a cup and how much space of air there is in there. Like it could weigh You can have two different cups of food and they weigh two different things because of the amount that's in each cup, but it happened to come to the top of the brim of the cup. 
when you weigh it on a food scale, there's no room. There's the, you, you eliminate that margin of error. The other reason why this is important is you weren't taught how to eyeball food. Eyeballing food is what got you in this mess because you weren't taught how to do it. None of us are. None of us are taught how to eyeball food. This, this isn't taught in school. I think that's by design. And if you learn how to intuitively eyeball food by weighing it and seeing it over and over, it's the repetition that gives you that skill. Like me, I tracked for seven years. I'm not telling you to do that. You don't have to do that. I did it because I was like competing and I was doing all kinds of shit. And, but because I did that, I can look at a bowl of rice and be like, that's 250 grams of rice right there. And I'll be dead fucking on within like a gram or two because I did it for so long. And our clients, they, they can do that too after a couple months because we kind of give you a crash course in the simplest of ways. We kind of thrust you into it and help you along the way. And then now you can look at a bowl and how this helps you is like, say you're at a work lunch or a barbecue or something and you can, you're at a buffet where you're like, okay, I know exactly how much chicken I need here. I know exactly how much rice. I know exactly how much mashed potatoes. I know exactly how much macaroni is feasible and, and won't put me in stress mode for the rest of the day because I ate this, right? How many of you all go to one of those things? And because you don't know what you're eating, you either don't eat anything and you starve and you binge later at home, or you eat it and you get anxiety and your heart starts to palpitate. You're like, God, what is this going to do to my body? A lot of you, right? Well, if you track your food and you develop this tool, that will never happen again because you'll know. And it's a tool you can always go back to if you want to get results. It's like, okay, I need to lose 20 pounds. All I got to do is go back to weighing my food. I'll be, I'll be there in three months. Easy, right? So use a food scale. And when you use a food scale, it's important to, when you're tracking in MyFitnessPal, MyFitnessPal is the app that I recommend to download to track your food, by the way. Ignore the recommendations from it. Put your own macro goals and, and shit in, right? But like, when you use it, you specify like grams or ounces, you know, you can use either one. I recommend using grams. It's just easier. And then you can, it's universal. So like, when you search the food in MyFitnessPal, let's just, let's just break it down to the simplest form. If you're going to weigh food and you're going to track it, Take your food scale, take the atom of food. Now, it's important to, you can scan barcodes in MyFitnessPal, which makes it faster. But if you want, really want to ensure accuracy, weigh it. Now, I'm not talking about a container of like yogurt, for instance, like the yogurt I was talking about earlier. You don't have to weigh that shit. But stuff that you cook yourself, random items, stuff that you're not eating a full serving size. Because like with the yogurt, you're going you're gonna to eat a full serving, right? Like it's one container, pretty standard, right? But let's just say you're eating chicken. Or let's just say you're eating rice, or let's just say you're eating oats, right? Well, you need to weigh that because you're eating a specific amount that is specific to your hunger. So like you may eat hundred grams of, of chicken. You may eat 200 grams of chicken. Here, I want to differentiate the difference between grams of weight and grams of macronutrients, right? Two different things. I know that can be confusing. It's like milligrams of medication versus milligrams of, you know, it's so like if you're weighing something, Grams, ounces, pounds, that's scale weight. That's how that's Earth's gravitational pull on that object. Grams of carbs, protein, and fat are macronutrients. It's the amount of nutrients you're getting from that food item. So if you weigh 100 grams of chicken on a scale, well, then that might mean, you know, 30 grams of protein from that based on the, how much is there. If you increase the weight, obviously you're going to get more protein from it because it's more of that food. Am I making sense? If you want to decrease confusion, then use ounces on the scale. Just use ounces. That's another, that's, you could do that. That's fine. It's, it's a little bit, you have to do like, you know, have to go in the decimal points, be like 6.5 ounces or whatever you're eating. And grams keeps you from having to go to decimal points, but it doesn't matter. Whatever helps you do it, I'm with it. I fucks with it. Okay. So 
know the difference between grams of weight and grams of protein, macros, okay? So you weigh it out. You search for that item in the app. I recommend searching the brand and then the, the food item. And then whether it's cooked or raw, that's important too. And it doesn't really matter which one you do, just stick with one always. So it's accurate over time and you see, you know, you, you have an accurate number going in, right? Now, do you have to be perfect with this? Hell no. And if, even if you try to be perfect, it probably won't be because even doing everything perfectly with food tracking, there is still a small margin of error because not everything is perfectly accurate on earth. So you just have to accept that the margin is very small. But just by doing this, even if you fuck it up, you're going to make progress because you're developing these awareness tools as you're doing it. The point isn't to be perfect with it. The point is to develop the awareness tools and you'll be, you'll, you'll have these light bulbs that come on along the way while you're tracking your food through the week. And you'll be like, oh my God, I didn't realize these nature Valley bars were 300 fucking calories. No wonder I can't lose weight. Oh my God, that, that, you know, that bite of pizza I'm eating on my nursing shift is adding up because pizza is, you know, highly processed, highly, very low palatable, high calorie food, right? Or maybe is it high palatable? I can't remember what palatable means. Anyway, you get the point. That adds up. You'll start to see things that add up. The condiments, the sauces, the oils, all of it contributes. So it's important to weigh your food. Again, you don't have to do it forever. You do it for three to six months max, max. Three to six months max out of your 90-year life. And I say 90 because if you do this, it's going to increase how long you're on this earth and playing with your grandkids. This tool literally gives you longevity. So that's the importance of weighing your food versus eyeballing it. Because if you try to eyeball something, you have no idea. Like let's just say butter, for instance, right? Butter is primarily fat. It's very calorie dense. Fat is nine calories per gram versus carbs and protein, which are four calories per gram. So more fat is more calories. So if you eyeball butter and you do way more than you realize, like you're like, oh, it looks like a tablespoon and it's really like two tablespoons. That's a huge difference if you do that multiple times per week. It adds up. Again, it comes down to that average, right? So last thing I want to go back to is why you should simplify the fuck out of things and just focus on total calories and protein. Y'all, carbs, listen to what I'm saying. Carbs don't make anybody fat. They don't make diabetics fat. They don't make PCOS fat. They don't make your dog fat. They don't make anybody fat. Over consuming calories on average over time is the only thing that makes you gain weight. Now, carbs are delicious. Carbs are very fulfilling to eat. We love carbs, right? You think about high-carb items, and, and they, they're delicious. Most food items that are labeled high-carb are actually high-fat. You think about the things that everybody's like, oh, hamburgers, high-carb, french fries, high-carb, cake, high-carb. No, they're all high-fat. And, and what does fat have a lot of? Calories. You're over-consuming calories, not carbs. It's stupid to cut carbs because you can't stop eating burgers. You're, you're actually over-consuming calories from the fat, not the carbs. News fucking flash. I know I just blew some people's minds. That's what's happening. <laughs> go ahead. If you don't believe me, go track a hamburger. Look at the fat. Like 49 grams. Times nine. Like 500 something calories from fat. Much lower from carbohydrates, which is just the bun, right? It's not carbs, y'all. If it were carbs, then the countries with the lowest obesity rates in the world, aka Asian countries, Southeast Asian countries, who only subsist on like white rice primarily, they would all be obese. Guess what? They have the lowest obesity rate despite only like primarily consuming white rice. So it ain't carbs, y'all. It's calories. 
Here in America, we have a lot of processed foods that don't fill us up, but they're delicious. So you need them in small amounts. So only focus on calories and protein. The reason I said carbs don't make fat, neither does fat. Fat doesn't make you fat either in and of itself. It's the calories in total. You get calories from carbs, fat, and protein. That's what make up calories. Macronutrients, carbs, protein, fat, they make up calories. That calorie number on the nutrition label, it comes from adding up the calories that come from the carbs and the protein and the fat. If you overconsume calories in comparison to how many you're expending over time, you will gain weight. If you, under, if you consume less than you're expending over time, you will lose weight. That's the law of thermodynamics, okay? You can structure your food in a way that makes it much easier to consume less calories, and that's going to be higher protein, all right? Carbs and fat do not matter when it comes to your macro structure. A lot of people get caught up on like a macro ratio. What's the best macro ratio for weight loss? Whichever macro ratio helps you stay consistent. And that's going to be primarily higher protein. Fuck the other two. You can take two identical women, two identical women with an identical weight loss goal. They both eat the same amount of protein and they both eat the same amount of calories. One goes high fat, one goes high carb. They get the same exact results. Doesn't matter where your carbs and fats go. Does not matter. Okay. I don't want to overcomplicate things for you all. If you start thinking about your carbs and your fat, and that's why sometimes tracking macros can be a mind fuck for people. And I realize that because what's happening is you're looking at your goals on the app and it gives you like a red when you go over your fat. And that tells you, oh no, I'm fucking up. You're not. All you need to look at is your protein and your calories. And this is what we tell our clients. This is how our clients transform their bodies. We just tell them to focus on their total calories and their protein because car, because protein and calories equated there is no difference in fat loss results across the board for anybody with fats and carbs. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where their fats and carbs go. So just remember that. Take off the pressure. Focus on your total calories and protein. Walk a lot. Get stronger. Stay consistent. And you will do whatever you want with your body. Just don't quit two weeks in. Okay? Keep going. That's all I got for you, ladies. Hope this was helpful. If you like this, leave me a rating. Let me, let me know. DM me. Y'all know I answer my DMs. Shoot me a DM. Shoot me a DM. Let me know what you, what you want to hear on here. If I need to clarify something, I always do. A lot of you know this. I'll send you a voice message. Yeah, it's me. Shocker, right? It's me. So if you want clarity on any of this, send me a DM. I'll always answer you. I'm here to serve you all. I know that today was kind of like a <laughs> kick you in the ass kind of episode, but you need that. And I'm here to give it to you in a very fatherly way, brotherly way, right? I'm looking out for y'all. I love you. I, I appreciate you all. I, I know that, you know, my delivery is direct. Imagine, imagine dating me. Oof. Just kidding. No, but I am very direct. I appreciate directness. I live in truth and I want you all to do the same. Live in truth. Live your best life. Love you all. Have an awesome rest of your day. Hope you enjoy this and talk to you all soon. Thank you. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.